You're listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. Jesus knows when we're headed toward the point of no return. Jesus knows when we are headed to the point of the unthinkable and the unforgivable sin. He knows. He doesn't want us to crash and burn. He doesn't want us to be eternally lost. So he speaks out and gives warning. He tells us how dangerous it is. You've heard the phrase, hindsight is 2020. It's usually related to the idea that you can see more clearly looking back than you can looking forward. Well, in today's message, Pastor Dion contends that Jesus can see just as clearly looking forward and will warn you when you're headed down a destructive path. Pastor Dion says that Jesus hopes that these warnings will cause you to reflect on your choices and change your direction, sparing you from suffering and a break in your relationship with Him. Now here's Pastor Dion in the book of Luke chapter 22 with today's edition of The Simple Truth. So Jesus is being secretive about it. And He always paves the way to intimacy with Him. He wanted to be a special place without interruption, a refuge, a retreat, a place of revelation, a place of reflection, and a place of reformation. Three things, let's say them out loud. A place of revelation, say it with me, what? Revelate, a place of reflection, say it with me, reflection, and a place of what? Reformation, say it with me, what? Reformation. Revelation, reflection, and reformation. That's the place that Jesus wants to create for them. This sanctuary, this sanctuary is our upper room. It's the place that Jesus assigned for us to get closer to Him. Jesus is the founder and builder of His church. Understand something. Jesus is not the guest of the church. Jesus is the host of the church. I want to say that again because sometimes people forget it. They misinterpret it. They're trying to get Jesus' presence here. Wait a minute. Jesus is trying to get your presence here. He's the host of the church, not the guest of the church. We don't have to invite Jesus here. He's inviting us. Jesus built the church to be a place of retreat, of refuge, of revelation, reflection, and reformation. He built it for that very reason. He set it all up so that we could link and learn. Everybody say those two words so we could what? Link and look at your neighbor and tell them that. So we could what? Link and learn. So he tells them where they're to find this place where he wants to create this atmosphere of intimacy where he can connect with them where there can be revelation and reflection and reformation. And he says, get it all set up. I'm going to be the host of this event. So, 
Once the upper room was prepared, Jesus led his disciples, and that's where he started with the first one, Revelation. Everybody say it out loud, what? Revelation. So let's go ahead and read it. Verse 14. When the hour had come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And he said to them, With fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it amongst yourselves. For I say to you that you will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Now, may I pause there and move back up to the point where he says in verse 15, Then he said, With fervent desire of desire to eat the Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Now, it's not in my notes, but I wanted to share with you that in the Passover meal, there are four cups and three loaves of bread. Everybody said what? Four cups and three loaves of bread. The first cup is the cup of sanctification. It's the cup that they actually start the Passover with. The woman of the house comes out and she lights the candles. They say the prayers. And then they sit down and they drink the first cup the cup of sanctification, setting themselves apart for such a special occasion. The second cup they drink, and they actually don't drink it, but the second cup is the cup of plagues. Because after that particular cup of thanksgiving or sanctification, there is what's called the Haggadah. The Haggadah is the reading of the whole account of the children of Israel in bondage, and the plagues that came upon the Egyptians to get them out of bondage. That second cup, as they are reading each of the plagues, you're to put a dip of your finger and drop a, a drop on your plate. For every plague that is stated, you're to do that. That's the second cup. But the third cup is the cup of redemption. Say it out loud, the cup of what? The cup of redemption. Well, Jesus stopped after the second cup. And he said, I'm not going to drink the other two cups that are coming. The last cup is the cup of praise. I'm not going to drink those last two cups until I do it with all of you and all of the family of God in heaven. You guys got it? So he's going through this whole Passover Seder, this whole Passover meal with them that they have gone over a thousand times. But there's a revelation to it. Because then he grabs the cup and he says, For I say unto you that you will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. So, not only did he take the cup and say, now this cup of redemption is a new covenant. Everybody said out loud, what? New covenant. But then there was also the three loaves of bread. And you know, these guys have eaten Passover their whole lives. They don't know why there's three loaves. Nobody has explained it to them until Jesus pulls the middle bread and breaks it and says, this is my body. Revealing to them the Father, 
the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that He is the one who will be broken. His body, His relationship with God will be broken for their sins. So you guys get it? Everybody say the word revelation. So everybody say, aha. So that's what's taking place. Jesus used the Passover elements, the bread and the cup, to reveal the new covenant, the new plan of salvation. You see, the old plan of salvation was limited and temporary. You see how it worked is a lamb died in your place. But, everybody say, but, but your sins were only covered and not removed. Your sins would only be covered for one year. And your status of sinner never changed to saint under that old covenant. Well, during the Passover meal, Jesus revealed that He was God's new covenant. And that His broken body and shed blood would be the currency for our unlimited and eternal salvation. In fact, listen to the message that the Apostle Peter sent to his Facebook friends. Well, well not really, but he wrote it. Here's what he said. 1 Peter chapter 1, read it with me. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom He paid was not mere gold or silver. Read it with me. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. And there's another one. This is what the Apostle Paul tweeted. He said this in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12. Read it with me. Christ's once and for all sacrifice was His own blood, and by it He set us free from sin. Everybody say the word. Forever. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that's awesome. Jesus saying, I am the new covenant, and my broken body and my spilled blood is the currency to buy your eternal salvation. What this new covenant in His blood means is that our sins will not just be covered, but will be removed completely. The Lord will separate your sins far from you as far as the east is from the west. He will... Cast your sins into the depth of the sea, never to be remembered. That's what this new covenant in Jesus' blood means. What this new covenant in Jesus' blood means is that there is no shelf life and no lapse in policy. It's not a one and only time forgiveness, but an every time forgiveness available 24-7 at your specific need whenever you repent and you confess your sins he is just and faithful to forgive you your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. I love it. What this new covenant in His blood means is that our status will change from sinner to saint. God has welcomed us in. Here's the verse, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Read it with me. Now therefore, 
You are no longer strangers and foreigners. No longer rednecks, right? We're no longer strangers and foreigners. Read it out loud with me. But fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having built on the foundation the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone. No longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. What a beautiful thing, man. That's so awesome. That's what we get in this new covenant with Jesus Christ. So it's that Jesus used those elements and He brought revelation. They were always looking back at that Passover meal. But Jesus said, oh no, it's speaking about something yet to come. My broken body. My spilled blood. And a new covenant. Isn't that awesome, guys? That includes eternal salvation. A salvation that's neither temporary. A salvation that is not limited. Not at all. Eternal. And unlimited. So that's one of the things Jesus invites us into the upper room for is revelation. Another thing Jesus did in the upper room was initiate this. Everybody say it out loud. What was the second one? Reflection. Say it out loud. What? Reflection. Jesus initiated reflection. Let's read it. After the dinner, He said, But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table. And truly the Son of Man goes as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. Then they began to question among themselves which of them it was who would do this thing. Reflection. Jesus knows when we're headed toward the point of no return. Jesus knows when we are headed to the point of the unthinkable and the unforgivable sin. He knows. He doesn't want us to crash and burn. He doesn't want us to be eternally lost. So He speaks out and gives warning. He tells us how dangerous it is. He says it's betrayal. It's devilish. It's inspired by evil. Jesus' words ring every week in this upper room through my message through the messages of others. His words ring out in this upper room every week. We feel the tension. Sometimes we feel the conviction. Sometimes we hear that theme song. Bad boys, bad boys, what you going to do? What you going to do when they come for you, right? Look at your neighbor and say, been there. Jesus tries to impede them. He tries to impede us from some lustful desire. He tries to impede us from some lazy mood. He tries to impede us from some foolish decision, some evil intention. He wants us to evaluate ourselves, to reflect and repent. That's the purpose of the teaching of God's Word, to encourage, but also to exhort. Amen? He wants us to reflect and repent, so He makes those announcements. Now, the other 11 disciples started reflecting as soon as Jesus made the announcement. 
I know our text made it sound kind of like they were looking at each other with suspicion, you know, the way some of you secretly hope that the person next to you gets the message. Thank you, Pastor. But both Matthew and Mark in, the, in their Gospels clarified what was going on in the disciples. They weren't looking, hoping someone else would get it. Or um, Who is it? Which, who's messing around here? That wasn't the focus. They were asking this. Everybody say it out loud. Lord, is it I? It was the reflection. As Jesus threw it out there, they began to reflect. Why? Because depravity runs deep within all of us. All of us are capable of something like that. Look at your neighbor and say, yeah, you. That's why one pastor in the Bible wrote his church this. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. Read it with me. Beware then of your own hearts, dear brothers, lest you find that they too are evil and unbelieving and are leading you away from the living God. Speak to each other about these things every day while there is still time so that none of you will become hardened against God. Everybody say, wow. Reflection. So, not only has Jesus invited us, has created this atmosphere, has created this place, has built it for revelation so that we can learn, so we can understand, so that we can have our aha moments about Him and His Word. But it's also so that He might share the dangers of those things that try to pull us away. And so that we can have reflection and we can look in our lives and we can say, is it I? Am I the one? Not so we can point a finger at someone else, but so that we can reflect and so that the transformation can take place. Now there's one more thing Jesus does in the upper room with the disciples. The third thing Jesus does in the upper room is impress. Everybody say it out loud. What? Impress what? Reformation. Say it out loud. What? Reformation. Back, let's read it. Verse 24. Now there was also a dispute among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. Can you imagine? They're having this time of revelation. They're having this time of reflection. And then there's been a dispute, an ongoing dispute amongst them that they have brought in to the sacred place, to the place of refreshment and revelation and reflection. They have brought a dispute about which one of them is better? Here we go. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. But not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? But before the answer, wait a minute, you're going to say, well, the one who sits at the table. Ah, wait! As Jesus says, is it not he who sits at the table? Yes, yet I am among you as the one who serves. 
Humility and serving are not on the world's syllabus. It's more like pride, ego, selfishness, entitlement. Luke skipped over the model that Jesus had actually given. But once the disciples were seated around the table in the upper room, Jesus wrapped a towel around his waist, grabbed a pitcher of water and a basin, and began to wash his disciples' feet. Luke had skipped over it, but Matthew and Mark had presented this. Once the disciples were all seated, he put that towel around his waist, grabbed a pitcher of water in a basin, and he began to wash his disciples' feet. Jesus took the lowest position to help the dirty get clean. The Apostle Paul urged every member of his church wrote it in every one of his letters so that not only they, but we, look at your neighbor and say, you, so that we could wrap a towel around our waist and get busy with, everybody said, get busy with what? With one another. He said, get busy with one another. All throughout Paul's writings and letters, he said, greet one another. Be kind and affectionate to one another. Comfort one another. Encourage one another. Love one another. Fellowship with one another. Care for one another. Pray for one another. Forgive one another. Serve one another. That's how you wash their feet. That's how you look ever more like Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, read it with me. Verse 3. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Wow. So if you ever thought, how does Jesus want me to wrap a towel around my waist and wash feet? We don't do that anymore. You're right. Encourage one another. Serve one another. Love one another. Fellowship with one another. Pray for one another. Keep doing it. Everybody say amen. That's how we look like Christ. Die to self and serve others. That's what this upper room is all about. Our sanctuary, our church, Jesus has built it. He's hosting it so you can get revelation, so there can be reflection, and so that there can be reformation. We change our lives to look like Christ, or we're allowing the Holy Spirit to change our lives, to transform us into the very image of Christ but it happens by doing it. We're so glad that you tuned in today to The Simple Truth. We pray that Pastor Dion's teaching in the book of Luke has given you a new insight into the life of Jesus and brought you closer to Him. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry of The Simple Truth, or hear additional messages, 
visit tmcalvary.com. You'll find them under the Sermons tab. You can even experience the video version of these teachings at our YouTube channel. Just follow the link. And don't forget to subscribe. When you do, you'll be notified as soon as we've uploaded new messages that we know will share Jesus' love and truth for your life. Find a link to our YouTube channel at our website. Again, that's tmcalvary.com. Before we end our time with you today, we'd like to offer you the opportunity to be involved in what we're doing here at The Simple Truth. We'd love for you to join us in praying for the people who will be listening to these broadcasts, who may even be hearing about Jesus for the first time. Would you pray that the Holy Spirit would open ears and soften hearts, and that lives would forever be changed? Would you pray also for Pastor Dion and the team here at The Simple Truth? Pray that we always keep our eyes on the Lord, and that we're courageous to follow wherever He may lead. Would you also pray about financially supporting this ministry? Any and all amounts given are useful and greatly appreciated. You can find out more at tmcalvary.com. Just click on Donate. Thank you for praying about this, and thank you for joining us today on The Simple Truth. Show. Let us join our hands and together we stand. Together.